We have this treasure in earthen vessels, that the excellency of the power may be of God and not of us. Are you a broken vessel, weighted down with discouragement, illness, or perhaps a disability? Well, take heart. Whatever your burden may be, God offers treasures that will transform your life. Hello, dear listeners. You're listening to Broken Vessels, Hidden Treasures. And here are your hosts, Paul and Tabitha Norris. The book of Job tells the story of a righteous man, greatly blessed by God. With God's permission, Satan struck Job with severe affliction. Job lost all his flocks, his herds, his seven sons, his three daughters, all his wealth, and even his health. His wife advised him, curse God and die, but Job refused. We then read that three friends came to him, planning to offer comfort and counsel, but they did not represent God's character or nature well, and instead of encouraging Job, they added to his despair. In the end, God rebuked them for that. What happens to us when hardship knocks at our door? Where do we turn for help in those moments of grief and confusion? In times like these, discernment and truth are essential. You know, sometimes well-meaning friends do more harm than good. There are a lot of wrong ideas about why we suffer, who's to blame, and how we should react. There are many false teachers who twist and distort the truth. Jesus Christ is the source of all truth. In John 14:6, Jesus said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. As Christ is truth, so is God's word. In fact, the word truth can be found over 200 times in the scriptures. Examine the pages of the Bible, and you'll discover it cannot be refuted. God cannot lie. Jesus prayed the night before his crucifixion, Sanctify them through thy truth. Thy word is truth. As followers of Christ, we ought to love truth, walk in it, and believe it. We can't follow advice that contradicts the Bible and expect a good outcome. Biblical counseling, because it's truth, is enormously beneficial. You can trust all that God has to say with 100% certainty. The Bible is sufficient in and of itself to provide hope and transformation amidst the most tragic of circumstances. Paul, with my experience with muscular dystrophy and our experience interacting with quite a few families and individuals Mm -hmm. affected by disability, we've heard quite a lot of ideas out there on why people suffer. Yes. I think that we should take a look at three common myths on this subject of suffering and compare these misconceptions to what God has to say. Okay. Myth number one, your suffering is always the consequence of personal sin. Well, Tabitha, this is exactly what one of Job's friends accused him of, which is wrong. The truth, according to the Bible, is not always. Indirectly, suffering is the result of sin. Because of Adam's sin, the world is under a curse. Romans 5.12 says, Just as sin came into the world through one man, and death through sin, and so death spread to all men, because all have sinned. Adam's sin incurred spiritual death, separation from God, and physical death. The world today is held captive by the great deceiver Satan. He's the prince of the power of the air. 
he delights in influencing humans to reject the God of love, and the result has been thousands of years struggling with disease, war, hunger, and corruption. Both Genesis 3 and Romans 8 talk about how even the ground, even creation, suffers and groans. If you think about earthquakes and tsunamis, looking at the briars and the brambles, those are all reminders of how our world is cursed. Animals are born with deformities. Carnivores prey on smaller animals. But while the world is under the curse of sin... We cannot tie each individual problem to personal sin. God's word is very clear on that. There's an account in John chapter 9 that gives us a glimpse of an innocent man who suffered. As Jesus was passing by this man, he saw him and he knew he was blind from birth. His disciples asked, who sinned, this man or his parents? that he was born blind. And Jesus answered that it was not this man who sinned or his parents, that his blindness was given to him so that the works of God might be displayed. Like so many people today, the disciples assumed God was dealing out justice. You know, an eye for an eye or tooth for a tooth. Those afflicted with disability and hardships must be very sinful, and God is simply setting them straight. However, our God of grace doesn't work that way. Christ tells them this man was born blind so that God's work might be displayed. Jesus immediately showed his power to heal, proving he is the light of the world. We may not understand the why. Why are we suffering? But whether or not we get an answer, we do know that God's mighty work can be displayed in our lives. And he can make us a living testimony of his goodness. How about myth number two? God always wants you to be healed. Well, if you peruse the aisle of a Christian bookstore or flip through the channels of televangelists, you are certainly going to hear all about guaranteed miraculous healings. But the truth according to the Bible is no. Healing is not always the only path God designs for his children. It's good for us to know that God is certainly able to heal. The God who created the heavens and the earth, the God who parted the Red Sea, made the lame to walk and the blind to see, is the same powerful living God we serve today. He is able to do abundantly more than we ask or even think. Nothing is too hard for him. But it's also important to understand that while God cares deeply about our needs, and he often does heal people of their diseases, his number one desire is that we have a right relationship with him. Our physical well-being is temporary, but our souls are eternal. God, in his sovereignty, knows that the best way is not always the road of comfort. A few months ago, two brothers and a sister from Northeast India rode into the show. Their names are Gai Liam, Gai Singh, and Alana. They wanted to share a testimony about this very subject. Tabs, would you like to read a portion of the letter? Sure. This letter tells us, Our oldest sister, Aniam, was in her third year of her nursing career when she became very sick. Later, she was diagnosed with leukemia. 
Hearing the news, everyone in our family was saddened and broken. We had many questions running in our heads. Why her? Why now? Why cancer? Why us? Although we knew the sickness would be terminal, we were very grateful to the Lord because many positive blessings came out of it. Anya was very sure of her salvation, and even in her sickness, she was willing to testify of God's grace and love in her life. She challenged the youth groups and churches, friends and relatives to love the Lord with all their hearts. She became an inspiration and blessing to many. Because of her illness, our family drew closer to each other and closer to our God. On May 8, 2017, the Lord called Anyam home. We are very grateful to the Lord not only for saving her soul, but also for using her as an instrument for His purpose and glory. God encouraged us from 2 Corinthians 1, 3 and 4, which says, Blessed be the God, even our Father, the Lord Jesus Christ, the Father of mercies, and the God of all comfort, who comforteth us in all our tribulation, that we may be able to comfort them which are in any trouble, by the comfort wherewith we ourselves are comforted of God. We really felt this heartache turned into a blessing. Just as God has comforted us, we also want to comfort and encourage others. Well, first of all, Guy Liam, Guy Singh and Alana, thank you for sharing this with all of us. We are deeply sorry for your loss of your dear sister, but so thankful that you are able to look back and celebrate the precious life God gave her. And this brings to mind a passage in Philippians three twenty and 21. It says, Our citizenship is in heaven, and from it we await a Savior, the Lord Jesus Christ, who will transform our lowly body to be like his glorious body by the power that enables him even to subject all things to himself. Isn't it exciting to know that your dear sister is in the presence of Christ? And while her life on earth was short, her eternity is just beginning. And what a comfort also that God has promised you also will be reunited with her in heaven someday. Yes, that is such a comfort. The Bible gives several examples of godly people who suffered immensely. And like your sister Anyam, God asked them to endure hardships. The Apostle Paul is one of those first examples that comes to mind. Paul had a thorn in the flesh, and he prayed again and again for God to remove it. But God had a bigger purpose for him than comfort. The four Gospels is full of accounts of Jesus interacting with the sick and healing so many. I can think of an example from Mark 1. As Jesus' fame was spreading throughout Galilee, the whole city began following him. Those who were sick or oppressed by demons wanted to be made well, and Jesus healed many. One morning, Jesus got up very early, and he went to a desolate place to pray. Mark 1.36 says, And Simon and those who were with him searched for him, and they found him, and said to him, Everyone is looking for you. And he said to them, 
Let us go on to the next towns, that I may preach there also, for that is why I came out. More important than physical healing is our spiritual well-being. In times of adversity, we can fully rely on God, knowing that tribulation produces patience. Whether or not God removes your affliction, you can praise Him. Psalms encourages us to praise Him at all times. Let him be your strength and joy. One of the most intense suffering a person can experience in the face of trouble is the feeling that God is far off. That brings us to myth three. God has forsaken me. If you've ever been abandoned by a spouse or parents or friends, you can probably relate to that feeling. If you've ever been in a deep depression, you might understand the feeling that God isn't hearing your prayers. But the truth is, God has said he will never leave you. Personally, I can think of a few occasions where I I went through times of loneliness. In the summer of 2002, my dad dropped me off in India to begin my first year of teaching. And those first few months were really rough. I'd always been a homebody, so the distance between me and my family was difficult, to say the least. I was very shy, and it was hard for me to ask for help, and believe me, I had to ask for a lot of it, being in a wheelchair. And then on top of that, there were cultural and language barriers that sometimes left me feeling isolated, but God showed his steadfast love to me time and time again through big ways and small. There was one time a sweet young high school girl showed up at my apartment with a little chocolate cake. And it had been made from a Betty Crocker's chocolate cake mix. A Betty Crocker in India. Right? How... (laughs) How easy would have that been for her to get? I don't imagine that was very easy. Chocolate cake is not something you eat every day in India. That's an American thing, but that's exactly why she went out looking for it. And when she showed up at the door, she told me how she'd been thinking of me and wondering if I just might be homesick and wishing for an American treat. And... It was just that small act of kindness that reminded me God still had his eye on me. And, well, I say it was a small act of kindness, but for me it was a big deal. It, it was quite a bright spot on my day, and I was so thankful for that. I mentioned a moment ago also the language barrier. Uh, much of what I did was in English, but I... I did my best to learn various dialects and languages while I was there in India. During my early years, Bengali was my focus. And now that I'm at the end of serving in India and looking back, I believe Bengali was about the hardest one for me. (laughs) Um, Much of the vocabulary just didn't stick, and the sentence structure was so confusing. So there was this one afternoon... I was sitting at my desk in my apartment, poring over a language book, and my frustration just got the best of me. Tears started pouring. 
Well, at the same time, there were a couple of men in the apartment doing construction work. They were fixing shelves on the wall and things like that, and they were chatting away in Bengali. While they worked, I was praying silently, Lord, please help me understand even a little of this language. I feel so overwhelmed and alone. No sooner had I uttered these words in my heart, God opened my ears to the conversation going on behind me, and suddenly I began to understand the Bengali language for the first time. Not just a word. I caught an entire sentence. One of the men said, there's a snake on the shelf. Yikes. Right? <laughs> you think God has a sense of humor? Well, after that experience, yes. <laughs> yes, I do. <laughs> um, but, the, you know, in a, in, a, in a funny way, God was showing me that he heard my prayers. I was not alone. And he sensed my loneliness. And he answered my prayer yeah. immediately. You know, Tabs, Jesus is able to empathize with loneliness because he too experienced it. At the time of his death, his close friends abandoned him. And as he hung on a cross, it seems even God had forsaken it. He cried out, my God, my God, why have you forsaken me? Why would God even do that? In that pivotal moment, God transferred unto Jesus all the sins of the world. 2 Corinthians 5.21 says, For our sake he made him to be sin who knew no sin, so that in him we might become the righteousness of God. Jesus became a sin offering, a sacrifice on our behalf. He became guilty of your sin and mine. Since sin separates us from God, it makes sense that there would be a break in fellowship between God the Father and God the Son, Jesus Christ. There's a popular song, He Could Have Called 10,000 Angels, but thankfully, God chose not to intervene so that he would claim his people and bring to completion his plan of redemption. So are you wondering what the end of that story is? The end of that story is that Christ paid the price for our sin in full. And three days later, God raised him from the dead. What a gift. Jesus bore the fullest sense of loneliness that you and I would never have to. Elmer Collier once said, This is not a God who sits aloof from us, outside the universe, playing with our lives like a puppet on a string. This is a God who loves us to the uttermost, comes into the midst of our brokenness in order to redeem us. A God who even cries on the cross, My God, my God, why have you forsaken me? When everything is darkness and we feel forsaken, our brother Jesus, our blessed high priest, has said that, My God, my God, why have you forsaken me? On our behalf on the cross. So let us encourage you not to let your trials give way to doubt. Meditate on the truth of his word. God has said he will never leave you or forsake you. He gives mercy and pours out his compassion. He hears our prayers, fulfills his promises, and put a new song in our hearts, even when we're in the valley. Where shall I go from your spirit? Or where shall I flee from your presence? If I ascend to heaven, you are there. 
If I make my bed in Sheol, you are there. If I take the wings of the morning and dwell in the uttermost parts of the sea, even there your hand shall lead me, and your right hand shall hold me. God is our refuge and strength, a very present help in trouble. Even though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil, for you are with me. Your rod and your staff, they comfort me. Thanks for tuning in today to Broken Vessels, Hidden Treasures. It is our hope and prayer that you will find the grace and goodness of God even in trials. We'd love to hear from you, and your feedback is important to us. You can reach out to Paul and Tabitha with comments, questions, or to share an episode with a friend in need through our website at bvhtministries.org.